podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. And this is true. We love to do the things that we're not supposed to do. We don't need Robin stealing. Welcome to the Whistleblowers. My name's not Mark Webster, as I keep saying. My name's Stuart Wright. And uh, today I've got with me uh, Arsenal's best film director, Marcus Shepherd. <laughs> Tell Alan Parker that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a competition. And uh, the, the, Guardian, uh, the Guardian's football uh, writer and uh, author, Scott Murray, who's uh, got a new book to tell us about the title. Hello, Scott. Hi there, Stuart. Right, before we go any further, I have to uh, say some words about, about our sponsor. So this season, we've teamed up with Labrooks, and we'll be bringing you plenty of specials. Our first is bet £5, get £20. This means if you deposit five, Labrooks will add another 20 to your account. As a listener to this podcast, you can get this by following the link at bettheWhistlers.net. We'll be tweeting this bet £5, get £20 link, adding it to our Facebook, and we've put it in the description of this podcast too. Right, guys. Beautifully delivered. Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm, almost, <laughs> I'm almost a voiceover actor now, having done that three times. Watching the magic happen. So let's 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 just talk about your book first, just very ah, briefly. Okay, thanks. Um, the title, the story of the first division. I mean, I guess uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot said in that. I did, I do. It did make me laugh. Obviously, calling the book the title, which uh, reminded me of uh, my hotel being a chain of hotels <laughs> in London. Yeah, that'll probably prove to be a bit of a masterclass in self de- defeat. Um, it's, it's kind of my nod to Abbott and Costello, the who's on first thing. So. <laughs> yeah, who's on first, the title of the book is. Um, so do you want to just give us a brief synopsis as to what the book is? I yeah, know. I mean, uh, it, when you boil the bones down, it's the story of the old First Division, 1888 to 1992, so the pre-Premier League era of, of English football. And, you know, all the championship title races um, in that in that period, I mean, I, I, I sort of wrote it because I thought, you know, it's there's so many great football books out there, um, uh, histories of uh, Italian football, Spanish football, German football. There's even a you know great um, American soccer mm. uh, book by but Saturday comes, but um, but all of the English stuff is kind of done through the prism of. Uh, you know, maybe tournaments like the FA Cup or separate, mainly separate clubs. So, yeah, true. You know, Manchester United fans will know the Manchester United story. They might not know how it fits in with, say, Wolverhampton Wanderers or even Manchester City, you know, over mm. the years, um, which is kind of what I've tried to do, give you a sort of, you know, pull back the the viewfinder a bit and, you know, see if you can, you know, follow the sort of narrative as it bounces around down the <laughs> through the decades. Do you remember a time before the Premier League, Marcus? I do, and <laughs> I was just thinking that, you know, as a, as a child in the 70s and in the 80s, you were felt very privileged if you saw any of the First Division live mm. on television. It felt like it was this sort of hidden world. I mean, you know, you sometimes would go to games, but it was so unavailable. It felt quite illicit, actually, in a sort of <laughs> naughty way. I mentioned that we talked about, you know, the... Mm. TV at the time, it fitted in with the Wolves and Shunters and the sort of <laughs> rising teenage, damp, right? sort of slightly seedy Britain still recovering from the war. And not that I miss it, but I do remember the feel of it. And it felt, it felt a bit grubby, but good, you know? Well, it, it, I mean, you mentioned TV. It's also a history that's been given to us. It's entirely random because 
match of the day and the big match would send the cameras out. The, you know, they'd stick a pin in the fixture list. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or, you know, we'd better do Leicester v Huddersfield this week. And it would end up being nil-nil. Um, but, that would, <laughs> but that would be 40 minutes on primetime BBC One on a Saturday night. Yeah. And there would be no goals roundup or anything yeah. like that. So... It's kind of, again, we're kind of, you, you know, you were lucky if you got some good stuff, yeah. which is why, the, you know, there's so few nuggets of brilliance, yeah. you know, from the old archives, although, you know, obviously there still is a lot. I just remember about 1978 being an Arsenal fan when we were clearly, you know, very, very bad. There was a match of the day, I think, with Jimmy Hill when he said, today Arsenal played Stoke. And it was such a bad game, he said, to hear the highlights, it's about a minute long. <laughs> Whereas now they wouldn't dare do that. They'd have some story they'd talk about. But back then you felt yeah. sometimes football is boring and is ugly. And that's what I liked about that time was that it was allowed to be dull, like mm. Shakespeare. You could drift off in it. You know? Whereas now you're not meant to be. You're meant to be woken up all the time. You know? I mean, I guess in the defence of, of modern football in that respect, the, the reason we've got so many live games, that's where, where the boredom comes in. So you'll automatically see some terrible nil-nils mm. because, it's just statistically going to happen over a season mm. um, so you don't need to sort of replicate that ran- the random mm-hmm. boredom mm-hmm. that was produced by you know the big match when they yeah. decided to pick the wrong the wrong the wrong game <laughs> yeah. at the weekend which they so, you know so often did well let's let's fast forward now to, to last week to my last weekend's fixtures and today uh, West Ham and Spurs have been uh, slapped with a uh, a potential punishment for uh, for what, what they call in it uh, for failing to control their players argy-bargy argy-bargy handbags at 10 paces you, you name it, it <laughs> I have to say handbag at 10 paces always irritates my mother-in-law who's a season ticket older about this very sexist actually she gets very angry about the handbag at 10 paces she's always said she's that. very right and she's right so I think you know it's a, I feel implicitly chastised now. but it's true though isn't it it's like the argy-bargy is part of the football for the fans between West Ham and I live in East London where West Ham hate Tottenham hmm. so much that like you say they must have picked up on it a little bit even but, though but what, a, what do you think it is though about about the way that you know uh, the implicit thing of what we were talking there about about Scott's book is that you know somehow football's changed it's been sanitised yet a game where there's hardly anyone from North or East London (laughs) the needle's still on the pitch isn't it why do you think that is Scott what I I mean it it definitely has been sanitised I mean if you look at um, the big noise that was made about uh, Sadio Mane Mm -hmm. um, Mm. high kicking into the, the Manchester City goalkeeper um, but there's a great clip from the 1970 FA Cup final with Eddie McCready. Um, just, it's a, a spectacularly gymnastic. <laughs> but he, he manages to boot Billy Bremner of all players in wow. the face, and he and Bremner is like spark out for a few seconds. It's not even a free kick. Like the, wow. the game goes on, uh, the Chelsea go up the other end and nearly score, and you're thinking. Oh my God! I mean, like if that happened Dark today, you'd be, yeah, yeah, you know, you'd be seeing that from all angles. Um, you know, McCready wouldn't play ever again. Mm. <laughs> you know, um, but then you know, maybe like Bremner wouldn't be rushing onto Instagram to. There's a clip to, on to YouTube as well of the Man United Man City derby at 68 when George Best breaks someone's leg. George it, Best breaks yeah, and leg. it ends his career. I forget the player's name, but what's brilliant about the clip? It might be on YouTube. Is that the commentator is saying, "Oh, George didn't mean that." <laughs> and spends ages talking but the player's he, career is not ends, that sort of player exactly which yeah. we hear now look so you can go back in the DNA of the first division and it was acceptable for commentators to go he didn't mean it and George Best breaks his leg and his career's over he never plays again and it's on YouTube somewhere 
Now, now we're doing this on a Wednesday, which is a bit later in the week for uh, whistleblowers, so it means that we've had a chance to consume a little bit of Champions League. I don't know if you guys saw it, but the, uh, the pre-match press conference <laughs> with Jurgen Klopp at Spartak Moscow was quite the surreal occasion. He was angry, wasn't he? Well, he was angry, I think, about... Yeah. Well, obviously, he, he has to do it, he's duty-bound... But um, he was disgusted, wasn't he? he but it was, was like disgusted. it was, like, you know, with all the money that's in football, um, you get a translator that hasn't got a list of footballers, so doesn't know who names are. So mm. the manager's having to coach a translator, and then a journalist, which obviously should, should he should know better, is asking, "Do you love one of your players?" <laughs> did that make it to a headline for any papers, though? Did anyone make did it, it into it? anything? No, because because they're pretending it never happened. I mean, basically, it was a it was a limp. From a story where Potocino had said about how much he loved one of his players. It was Costa, wasn't it? Yeah. It was not Costa, it was Conte. And, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, sorry, yeah, Conte yeah, had yeah. said something nice about How much do you love your players? Yeah. Yeah. So then it became a kind of, and, and you can see, Klopp's under enough pressure as it is, I think, and uh, I think he can. I of, think the question should have, been, should have been asked is would you let any of your players marry your daughter? Because yeah, that's, that was a better that's point. what Conte said was <laughs> yeah, like, I'd let Moriato him marry my daughter. But yeah. I think apart from like Maradona letting Aguero marry his daughter and Roy Evans being angry at Stan Collymore for what he got up to allegedly in the past, it's not a path that anyone treads in football, do Didn't they? Did Dalglish say something similar about Alan Shearer back in the day? But Blackburn that he was the kind of you know upstanding young lad that I would welcome with open arms into you know Shea Dalglish. <laughs> I think most parents um, listening to this would not be happy if a Premier League football. <laughs> turned up with their daughter you know, and said, you know, mum, dad, this is so-and-so. That's not really, unless they're really looking at the money side of things, you know. I can't believe that could happen, that people would look at the money side. That seems far <laughs> too cynical to me. Uh, sticking with Liverpool, um, there was, uh, they won a game, Scott, which was nice. Yeah, it happened. Um, but yet still, with all that attacking might, they still managed to make it go to the wire. They still conceded two goals and looking at, the, the records as are that's three games consecutive away from home and it's the most we've ever conceded in three consecutive away games with ten goals what's happening with the way that Klopp wants to play football it's difficult to put your finger on it because I the obvious answer is the defence or the other obvious answer is the goalkeeper mm. and you know you can both I guess you both get a tick for those answers but <laughs> but the weird thing is that I think like the midfield is getting away with murder because it just the midfield just doesn't look right and I think when it's this weird thing I think if you've got a midfield and the worst player in your midfield is Jordan Henderson you've probably got a good midfield. The problem is when Jordan Henderson's your best player in the midfield, I think then you've got a problem. And I'm not sure they're helping the... Def- you know, because these questions, you know, does, Min- does Mignolet play badly because he's got Dejan Lovren in front of him? Does Dejan Lovren play badly because he's got Simon Mignolet behind him? But I think you could move it up the up the team a wee bit. I think Wijnaldum is just... He's steady, but there's a slight whiff of the... Cut price, Didi Haman about him. Um, Still not scored a goal away from home, uh, either no. Liverpool or Newcastle. The Newcastle fans warned Liverpool at the time that he's a he's a home well, banker player. He's not a player to take away from home. You know, he had a great season last year. I'm not particularly knocking him, but it just it, it, it's not a particularly dynamic midfield. I mean, mm. Emre Chan tries to mm. add a bit of dynamism, but he just. His brain moves so slowly. You can mm-hmm. see him. It's not just physically turning. You can hear the cogs creak, and you know the the, the goal that they let in at Sparta Moscow last night mm. all stemmed from him just sort of turn, yeah. stopping in the midfield and going ah, 
and not quite known which way to... Well, this, this kind of feeds into Gareth Barry a bit, because I was at the game Monday where he had his, his epic, you know, 633 games. And yeah. I was saying to Scott was that I didn't realise after the game that Elneny had a really good game because I didn't think he did, and I didn't think he did at all. And I think watching football live, as I do more than ever now, mm. there's a lot of charisma-free midfields in football now where the ball goes from the defence to the other end, either by the wing back, by th- you know, by playing a back five. And the midfield experience, watching it live, is not there as it was. I mean, Chelsea had it with the team they had back in the day. But I'm a bit concerned that you don't realise how you need that charisma in midfield. And I think Gareth Barry is an example of somebody who's relatively non-charismatic as a player, but well, he's, he's done the job. In his life, has he, outside of a, a, the good performances he's had? And I suspect that's the issue with Liverpool and with Arsenal and other clubs, is that... I miss those those big players who are captains in the middle of the park that mm. dictate the pace that are not running the show but you notice it when you watch the game live it tends to go from defence to attack and there's something missing in the midfield and El Nenny may have had a good game on the telly but watching it live I thought he was like a sort of I said like an Egyptian Ray Parler you maybe know? this <laughs> is the symptom maybe this is the symptom of football that's 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 like on the turn the game of football is about getting it to the, to the final third as quick as you can yeah it is and that and that that isn't about Hence, battling, battling it out, yeah, is it? Hence the back five, you know, back three sit there, two bomb up and down, which mm. Arsenal do anyway. But yeah. I like those midfield batters. You know, I, I miss, you know, in any team, but with Arsenal, I miss Petit and Vieira, the mm. little Batman and Robin thing you mm. get. And I like that when you watch it in any game, you see those relationships. And that's why, you know, like with Mourinho signing Matic, he's a mm. brilliant master straight because you need that charisma in the middle of the park. And at the moment, some clubs don't have it, but they get away with scoring lots of goals. Mm. But without the midfield running it, because they're the ones that will get you out of the hole in the final. Well, know? weirdly, with United last season, I thought um, the player that gave them that little added spark was um, Herrera. Herrera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's kind of one of those players that if you don't support Manchester United, you think, you nasty little bugger. But, but mm-hmm. if he's on your side, you think, marvellous yeah. wee man. But, you know, and he's kind of... He, he just had that spark um, when they... You know, for a couple of seasons, they never, they've never had a spark, yeah. and mm. it's sort of a bit of a shame he's been slightly edged out ed- for Matic, edged out to one side because yeah. I think he's more fun to watch. And I say that as a you know, as a non-United fan, mm-hmm. I much prefer watching mm. someone like Araya buzz around. I mean, you know, I used to love Roy Keane, mm. um, just just amazing to watch mm-hmm. what he was going to get up to every every week okay. in both a constructive and destructive mm-hmm. sense. He was like Lee Marvin, really, wasn't he? Roy Keane, wasn't he? <laughs> well, on that, we'll, we'll take a break. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labrooks. I'm back after the break. Um, Harry Kane is not a player that I, I like. I don't, I, and I know he's prolific, and I'm not understanding why he's as good as his goal return is. Um, another hat trick, which I think is something like six in the last mm-hmm. in the last calendar year. So clearly he is good, and he's doing exactly what Liverpool aren't doing in in Europe. He's helping them score goals. He's a finisher. I mean, yeah. you watch him last night. It was last night, wasn't it? The, yeah. I yes. mean, he just finishes the chance. He runs in, looks simple, but a bit like not like Van Basten with a sort of you know excitement level. But it's just effective, very effective player. You know. Do, do you see him staying at Tottenham? Like the, the whole he's one of our own. Do you see him staying at Tottenham and? Challenging Greaves' record, or is he going to be plucked from Tottenham like a lot of the other best players they've had? I don't know. I mean, it would be kind of nice to think. I know this is probably a really unfashionable thing to say, but I really like that um, that sort of boys' own mm. Roy Race thing that he's got going on. 
you know, he might not be the most, uh, you know, exciting player to watch, but the fact that he's, you know, a Spurs guy, come through the ranks and is, you know, scoring a load of gold is, you know, it's kind of nice. It's that old sort of, you know, Robbie Fowler thing, isn't mm. it? Where- I mean, he came up with his bootstraps, didn't he? Because he went out on loan and he wasn't really successful, was he? Well, he was He was born in Walthamstow, near where I'm from, and he lives in Chingford, apparently, and he's married, he's with a local girl, so it wouldn't surprise me if he did stay, because he's actually, he's got everything he wants. He's gone that route, he lives where he wants to live. So, again, you know, he, he was an ex-Arsenal player when he was a kid, you know, yeah. famously. But, um, I, like you say, I actually like him because he's effective, and he does the job and you know not that I want Tottenham to do well particularly but <laughs> but I want football clubs to keep the players that matter to them I think that's good for all clubs I mean you know or if he moves on for a couple of years and comes back as well you know we have this weird obsession now with one club men mm-hmm. and there, there's something wrong with you know Jimmy Greaves is to most people he's a he's a Tottenham player isn't he but he, he, he pl- played for started at Chelsea mm-hmm. ended up at West Ham um, and you know there's, yeah, there's nothing wrong with all this sort of shifting around and if Harry Kane wants to go and do a quick two years at Real Madrid. Or, or was that something you saw in the research for your book, that you, you, you found these careers that were, that were more dotted around than they were this idea of the, the bastion, the, the, the icon of a club forever and ever? Yeah, or, or players that are like, were synonymous with one club, but you suddenly realise, well, actually, hold on. Chelsea in the thirties were were sort of good for taking big players away. I mean, some things never change. Like mm. Chelsea threw ludicrous amounts of money at the biggest stars in the nineteen thirties. They got Huey Gallagher from Newcastle, mm. you know, who was a title winner, yeah, yeah. synonymous with Newcastle. Alex Jackson from Huddersfield, again, you know, their main star, synonymous. They were title winner there. You know, tried to put them all together in the. In this team, the only difference between that and the Abramovich era was that they they won nothing. It was a, <laughs> it was a complete farce. It ended up with Gallagher getting you know into fights with referees and Jackson getting in sort of front page booze shame mm-hmm. headlines. So all, the tabloids were all, all over in the thirties. The, tab- as- the, the tabloids in the thirties were absolutely the same as rabid, if not slightly worse. Sometimes there was a there was there's a great story about. Um, in the, I think it was the 1935-36 season, the league suddenly got a bee in their bonnet about the football pools, and there was this sort of residual old-school Victorian prissiness. Mm. They said, oh, betting is terrible. But, <laughs> but what it really was, they were just annoyed that um, the, the pools companies were making money off their fixture list. So what the Football League did was saying, right, you can't. We're scrapping the rest of the season's fixture list. It's all. We're only telling you. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> we're only telling you what's going on the the Friday before the Saturday games, which obviously hadn't been thought through because the teams couldn't prepare, the managers and players. Um, Travelling would have been quite hard, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, like the train companies didn't know where to, you know, lay on a football <laughs> special. Like none of the wow. pun- none of the punters knew where to go, and so like on the front page of the Mirror, there was this like you know end football pools war now, and in, 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 in <laughs> a slogan I've always yeah, chopped. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then like a little box just yeah. tucked away in the corner was the King's first broadcast wow. on on the radio, wow. and it was just oh that's just that there, wow. you know, oh, it's right, just like okay. ten fifteen words or the king did this last night but the main you know the headline news was football and so yeah it wasn't it's kind of you sort of think this is all new the sort of mm. circus mm. around the premier league and it is in very many respects but it's kind of as old old as the hills as well 
I'm not sure where that where I've ended up from your initial question. I there. think we're all right. We traveled. No, we actually just there, asked there, how you were. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> how are you, Scott? This, this happens all the time. It's why I never get asked on things. But. Well, uh, in terms of the weekend, Man- the two Manchester clubs were, uh, were are showing themselves to be a bit of a force this season. Um, Manchester United ground out a one nil win. Where I'm guessing they should have, by all reports, they should have thrashed Southampton in the first half but then it became a defensive performance whereas the mirror of that is that City were kind of almost held to nil-nil mm-hmm. against Palace and then went on to romp home 5-0 is there going to be any stopping Man City this year or, or has Jose Mourinho's flat track bullies of Lukaku and Matic that he's added to the squad given them the, the metal to, I, to challenge them all the way I kind of think what happened with Leicester a couple of years ago will sort of maybe happen again in, in some seasons that the big clubs will sort of cancel each other out without realising and I think those those clubs that do very well now not as if I'm a fan of the no one likes to be in Stoke in the dark of December but I think last year Guardiola got really rattled a lot of the time it wasn't mm. going for him and I'm not sure that's left that's left his DNA mm. and I think even with Mourinho we know that he's somebody who you know who could actually go a bit postal so what I think <laughs> is they could be their own worst enemies that's the only thing I think for those particular clubs mm. and even Chelsea I'd apply the same thing too you know those players that won the league last year the year before threw it away so that's my feeling is that they like pop will eat itself football will eat itself with those clubs a little bit do you think that's what the symptom was of, of, of Leicester rising to the top? Was it was a? I think so, yeah. Because Arsenal that year were contending, but we fell apart as we do always in sort of March. But I think there's room this year for somebody. It might be Tottenham. It might even be you know another club could sneak in as they fall out because that's mm. what could happen. Because I think Guardiola and Mourinho, in my opinion, don't like each other, and that will <laughs> play out as uh, that's that, that's what I think. It's interesting that few people are talking seriously about Chelsea. Mm. Uh, they're talking a wee bit more now. They've, they've strung a few fixtures together. But it was kind of, they lost the, that shock loss in the opening day. And it was like, oh, well, they're done now. Mm. You know, they're three points mm. behind, like, <laughs> City and United or whatever. And it's kind of, well, you know, it's a bit early to be to be saying this. And, of course, City started so quickly last season. They had more points at the stage last season. Mm. They'd 100%. It ended up doing nothing. I mean, weirdly about City, and people keep banging on about how bad the defence is or how that might be the Achilles heel, but they've only let in a couple of goals mm. as, well as, as well as United. So, I mean, it's, it's probably going to be a three-way. I, I mean, it could be for you. You know, Spurs... Mm-hmm. It might just be that Spurs another couple of games at, at Wembley, and if people stop talking about that as being, you know, a, so you see, you see Spurs more than Liverpool and Arsenal being the the kind of spanner in the works. I just for the... don't trust Liverpool or Arsenal at the moment. You know, United. You know, I think most people would say under Mourinho they're going to be pretty. Mm. They're going to be pretty strong in City, obviously. Yeah, but I just, it's just slightly odd how everyone's, you know. Mm. Kind of talking about Chelsea is this, you know, well, you know, they may get on the shoulder of the, the Manchester clubs, but they may not. This is September, isn't it? I think at the end of the season, someone might nick it. That's what I think. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my prediction. Well, going, going back to your game against West Brom, it was interesting that two conversations that came out of it was, uh, well, I think Poulis led this one, you know, that, that Sanchez is a cheat and that Jay Rodriguez is too honest for his own good. What do you think is the obsession? I think it's a very English Premier League obsession. From Pulis or from the media? From just football. The way we talk about football, we're obsessed with fair play. And yet, we love, we love players that have got needle at the same time, which is the, the farthest removed from fair play. Well, listen, <laughs> is, is Rodriguez an English player? Yeah. 
Yeah. I think that's that's at the root of it, really, is that, you know, there's still the thing that foreign players cheat and the English players don't. And that's and I don't know what the Sanchez incident was. I thought it was another player that There was died. two. There was a kind of dive. Was Ramsey was injured, and then there yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing with Pulis is I remember years ago when Arsenal beat them and James Beattie got into a fight with him in the changing rooms. Oh, right. And Tony Pulis <laughs> allegedly um, was naked and headbutted him. So every time Pulis plays at Arsenal, I see that, and I always wonder whether he had, but he had that vision. You want that? Really, no, but whether he had the baseball cap on, that actually had like an indentation in James Beattie's head. So I kind of take Pulis's observations a little bit of the pinch of salt. But he was right to moan about the penalty should have been. Yeah. But the press obsession, I just think it's the it's the sky, the coverage. They want big numbers, and that was a fairly, you know, not easy game because West Brom could have won, but it was two nil. I just love this on a Monday night. He's, you know, he's, he's too honest for his own good, but yet. Sanchez is a cheat. It's like which one is it meant? To, which one are you meant to be? But Too I, honest or not? I think it's it is like quite ingrained in sort of to I, I don't know to mix metaphors in like football. So the UK's football fabric. Because mm. if you look back at, um, I mean, Liverpool won the first league after the war, mm-hmm. and uh, they did it by winning their last game at Wolves, and uh, the deciding goal was scored by Albert Stubbins. Um, who, in like, if the game was played now, mm-hmm. he'd be pulled back by Stan Collis. Mm-hmm. But Stan Collis was going. I don't want to be remote. And St- Stan Collis, you know, had never won anything for Wolves. It was his last game. He was about to retire. And Wolves were in with a shout for the title. Right. But he didn't pull back Stan. Uh, uh, Stubbins yeah. because he didn't want to be remembered as a cheat mm-hmm. and it's a uh, you, you can go further back there's a guy called um, Jesse Pennington Peerless Pennington that was West Ham's big hero just after the First World War hmm. well he played in a in the 1912 Cup Final and it was kind of the same scenario West Brom lost the Cup because he didn't pull a man back with two minutes to go and in extra time, and it was there was a you know, and there's happy endings because Pennington won the league with West Brom and got his medal quite late. Cullis didn't win anything as a player, but he went on to be a successful manager with Wolves. And I think the Brits like that story. It's it feeds mm. into the national character. But you can't um, imagine that conversation about a La Liga game or it's uh, it, it, a Serie A game that that being. The topic of conversation, like who was fairer? No, but then you see, you go back to when, like, say, a few years ago with Luis Suarez, a lot, aside from the sort of obvious unspeakable Biting. stuff, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, but just like the, the, the normal everyday, you know, argy bargy. Yeah, and making a nuisance of himself. Well, actually, a better example would be Maradona with the hand of God. Mm. You know, that sort of thing is seen as like it's a good grift. If you mm-hmm. can get away with it, yeah. it's part of the game, and it's it's part of South America, part of some South American culture. Mm. Whereas the English, don't, you know, don't like that sort of thing, or they say they don't like that sort of thing. Of course, we'd get mm. you know if we could get away with it, we'd do it. If it's a foreign player doing it, the English don't like it. If an English guy does it, then it's clever. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. That's it. That's really it. But I just think, you know, some other countries are a little bit more honest with themselves about yeah. it, you know. Now, uh, we've had a return, returning face to the uh, the managerial roster uh, with Uncle Roy, uh, Roy Hodgson, has uh, taken over Palace. He's just took a hell of a beating at Man City, and he's going he's Taking back. a beating everywhere. I was going to say, but, he, <laughs> I mean, but he's, he's about to return to Manchester to Old Trafford. Is that... This weekend is—is is that any way, shape, or form realistic for them to get anything out of it? I think they're at Chelsea after that as well, so they've still not scored a goal. They've not got a point. <laughs> this is record-breaking. This is potentially very record-breaking stuff. That's the magic of football. Whatever that means is that they might 
you don't know like last year the FA Cup final playing Chelsea apparently Arsenal shouldn't have turned up but we did, we pretty much demolished them I think football's beautiful still because it doesn't go the way you think but I think you're right it's more likely to be a continuation of that record but, but what's the appeal of Roy Hodgson I don't get it I mean it's it's safe pair of hands, isn't he? Whatever that means. I don't know. I mean, you you, you witnessed him at Liverpool. Would you you, you uh, want to darken, <laughs> darken the door again, Scott? No. Well, I certainly don't think any Liverpool fans would, would welcome him back. Um, I mean, I guess you know he did do a good job, at, at, particularly at Fulham, which was kind of the gig that that sort of um, re-established him as like a as a thing hmm. because everyone had forgotten Got an England job basically. Well, I mean, every, everyone forgot about him when he, for years when and then suddenly he was given the, the the Fulham job when they looked in a lot of trouble. Hmm. Um, and he I think he started quite badly there, if memory serves. Mm-hmm. Before he obviously turned it around, you know, the great escape. Um, hmm. Yeah, I can't quite see it. I mean, it's a weird thing. Like, Palace have been kind... I mean, they've not been very good, but they were kind of unlucky a couple of times this season. They, they were not bad at Burnley. They were unlucky uh, at Anfield, weren't uh, they? Ben Teke missed Yeah, um, out. you know, they were pretty decent. I mean, they were they were half decent against Southampton as well. Mm. And Southampton had sort of clicked into, like, you know, looking but all, they've got, all right they've got rid of De Boer, haven't they? So they, they've essentially what they were being not bad at yeah. isn't the same fellow anymore. yeah. Which seems a bit of an odd... It'll take some while, so, but they've lost first five games, is that right? Yeah, 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 they're nil, they're nil for... So, uh, now, I could be wrong about this, but I think Manchester United lost the first 11 in 1931. Mm. I'm liking that fact. And they, they, they got relegated. Well, Kevin Campbell's at the game on Monday and he played for West Brom when they turned it around after Christmas. They were the first team to like reverse that stat that was mm. at the bottom of Christmas. So, yeah. again, nothing surprised me in football, which is probably why we still talk about it. You know? Now, the, the, this is like a terrible segue for me, but the cult of the manager, Roy being a particular kind of cult, was something I was thinking about when before we came to the podcast. And I, I tried to find like philosophies for, for how managers describe their the way they play football so looking at the top six I think you should be able to, to, to identify them easy enough so the first one is I love this I love this game because you can win against better teams if you work better together than the other team who's saying that in the top six it's Klopp yeah football is only about winning and that managers who favour a possession dominated beautiful game and neglect steely defence and lethal counter attack are stupid Murray Guardian <laughs> <laughs> who do we think said that um, could that be Mourinho I think so yeah. I mean I couldn't it, it couldn't have come from anybody else's mouth I don't think these are like emojis of, play, of player they of are managers, they? they're, they're like, perfectly like, summed you know, up the power of Google I'm just sort of looking yeah. at what, whether you could encapsulate the philosophy what I do like about Mourinho he gets a lot of flack for that sort of stuff but he's like absolutely actually brazen's not the right word he's just unapologetic you know this is the way I'm going to do things and you know if you don't like it I don't care and he's quite happy to just set it out there there's no sort of pandering to I guess if you start off with your manifesto it's it's only about (laughs) winning everything else is superfluous isn't it because like the next one is I like high pressing I want to improve quality balls I want to make good build up and I want to play quick as much as possible I mean, I'm guessing Guardiola, but it could be Klopp as well, that one. That could be, and I must admit, if I'd have done them in different orders. (laughs) Um, This is my favourite, and I think it stands out a mile. I'm a facilitator of what is beautiful in man. I'm only a guy, and I'll allow others to express... We have music under this, shouldn't we? We have, like, the R-Tune music from Simon (laughs) Bates under that one. <laughs> he couldn't, he couldn't be more I'll leave this one to you, I think. <laughs> Who is that, Marcus? That's Pochettino, isn't it? No. Isn't it? No, that's Wenger. 
Is it really? Wow. Straight out of the quip. Well, you said top six. He's not top six at the moment. I know. That's why you I didn't know. get it. All right, yeah. But that is amazing, isn't it? As a, <laughs> as a kind of... If you compare it to the... It's only about winning. <laughs> well, the thing about Wenger, back to the day when... Which, well, I mean, Gareth Barry, who started the, the day before Wenger won his first title, actually, and they made the second, is that hmm. Wenger's approach winds people up for that reason, that he won't have a pint in the bar afterwards. He talks about, like, it's high-minded philosophy. Hmm. And that might be his Japanese influence. And that's why I think today Wenger still annoys some people, is that he's looking at it at a higher level yeah and they don't want to hear that they don't want to hear like kick him where it hurts take him out yeah and that's why I think Wenger still annoys some he'd go back some and managers. read his Albert Camus wouldn't he Just yeah that'd be, his, that'd be his approach to football <laughs> there was a guarding thing about him years ago about when he came to England which you should google about going to Cambridge by himself and knocking on someone's door which he's a different breed to all the managers for that reason well let me, fin- <laughs> let me finish off the, 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 the six because there's only, there's only two more to do so playing out from the back not launching the ball into the defence not, sorry not launching the ball into the box from defence pressing a lot dominating the pitch as we've planned those are the emotions we like to to feel Sam Allardyce. and emotions <laughs> I would like to share with my players. Um, Conte? No. Pochettino? Yes. Oh. And then finally, then obviously, just for the, for the sake of doing the full thing, I couldn't get anything directly from him about it, so I had to find a player talking about... Uh, about Conte? About Conte, and he said, we understand the philosophy, everyone is giving 100% for the team, the collective comes from before the individual. He's a socialist of football. Yeah. <laughs> Who <laughs> knew? The new Shankly. Yeah, it is, isn't it? That could be a Shankly quote, couldn't it? <laughs> so the, the reason for doing that, I think linking back to your, your book, Scott, I'm guessing oh. the cult of the, 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 the manager personality dominating the game isn't something new, just like the tabloid coverage isn't something new. No, I mean, it goes kind of right, right back to the start, really. I mean, there was Tom Watson at Sunderland and Liverpool, mm-hmm. um, and he, he won sort of five titles in the Victorian era, George Ramsey at Villa mm-hmm. um, won six in a shed load of FA Cups until until Wenger beat his record, um, and they very much kind of built you know built the clubs, um, kind of in that you know this the old school Scottish dribbling, mm-hmm. the old school Scottish dribbling way. I guess the actual cult of like you know the personality manager mm. is, is just supposed to like a a big name successful guy. I mean. It, it's a fairly obvious choice, I guess, but it's Herbert Chapman. Yeah. Although weirdly, when he then when he died and um, George Allison took over, he was the real. He, he was, pulled it off. Yeah, he was right. the real media yeah, whore. Right. I mean, really? he was a BBC yeah. commentator. He used to he played the room, didn't he? You know, he yeah. he, he used to be you know write um, columns in all the papers and just like chunter on. And, and of course, then he would be. Uh, He's the one that organised the Arsenal Stadium mystery mm-hmm. and sort of the film, st- yeah. you know, and starred in that. And it was, he was a yeah, he was a complete media whore, but obviously a great manager as oh, well because yeah. like Arsenal kept winning titles. And then when and, and then the war happened and uh, and he left and it wasn't quite you know Arsenal weren't quite as box office as they were in the in the post war era. That but that in was fifties, yeah. You know that was the first time that. I th- you know, and, and then you would have maybe Major Buckley at, um, at Wolves as well, who's this sort of imposing, uh, you know... What period was that? Large and left figure in the 30s. OK. And again, Wolves won bugger all, but because Buck- Buckley was, like, juicing up all the players on, like, monkey mm. gland treatments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he was incredibly famous, and Wolves, you know, with the nearly club, kept nearly winning the league and losing FA Cup finals. You know, that was big. And I guess then it doesn't sort of come around again so much. And I'm I'm setting Matt Busby to one side mm. because 
he was he was actually quite a quiet, reserved man. And then you've got the sixties when you've got the likes of Shankly and um, and Ravy. You know, yeah. So was that that we, that's that in the modern? Yeah, I guess in the modern entertainment period, isn't it? Really, because it's mass media. Just a really quick one. I mean, you talk about the English Premier League and the, the English title. I think the difference one foreigner that lost out it was the Scottish influence. You're talking about that's really gone the Premiership. What in terms? Of, you mean is that a narrative you spotted in? I mean, in, it seems in, to me it's about all these players, title. great players, Scottish players that, that were at Liverpool and. Scottish players at Arsenal that were signed in the 1930s and 40s and Scottish managers that's now yeah. gone from the Premiership even like with Alex Ferguson and George Graham mm. they're the last of that period which lasts a long time isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean it, yeah that's sort of finished it's, 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 it's kind of a shame it's a bit of a bit of a weirder I mean that lasted a long long time Yeah, I mean that's why Sunderland were like one of the great first teams because it was right on the border and this is before like Newcastle had become like a sort yeah. of proper going mm. concern so you know they could just take all the best all the best players from Scotland who, you know, believe it or not, kids, uh, used to be a hot Brilliant. bit of, yeah, hot, hot bit of football. That's right. <laughs> now, this weekend, there's a, in terms of those, those two of those big personalities, big successful managers, we've got, we've got Chelsea versus Man City, which I guess, thinking of what we were talking before, is almost like the immovable force meets the irresistible. Hmm. Isn't it, in a way, for, as a game of football? Do you see... Is that maybe one of the examples, Marcus, where... Where the, the the top the top the expected top flight are going to cancel each other out. Well, what I think is anyone that's supporting a team that's near those clubs, you hope they have lots of injuries and sendings off, and those are sort of <laughs> games that can happen, or it could be a complete board draw. I think it's it's very rarely the way when it was with Mourinho that he would do a tactical masterclass and cancel them out. I think it will be something that will be more than a game invariably that will have repercussions because there's quite a lot of reason for no one to lose that game, isn't mm. there? So but I guess, I guess thinking about the Pep versus Jose sort of rivalry, there isn't a direct one, is there, between no, there's Conte not. And, uh, and Guardiola, is but there? But I think there is between the players, though. I think, oh, okay. I, I think, that, I think there's needle between the players now, more, well, more than we realise. And also, know? like, che- when Chelsea won at City, I know this is at Stamford Bridge this weekend, but when Chelsea won at City last autumn, and yeah. I, think, I think it was autumn, wasn't it? Um, that was the first time that you thought, oh, hold on. Chelsea are going to romp this league mm-hmm. um, and that mu- that must have an effect that must be playing on City's mind yeah. I think because even City I mean this is the thing with both City and United the one question mark is they haven't really had a a, a, test. a, a proper test no. yet and in fairness to they won at Liverpool City didn't they well, that's not yeah, a test, but though, I mean, it, it was kind of it was a slightly weird game because of the sending off. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I th- I still think that the one people are overplaying that a bit in in as much as this supposed dominance of Liverpool before Mane got sent off. There was still a goal down, mm, true, <laughs> you know, and and had missed all their chances. So, I, and given the evidence of the rest of the season, I'm sure that's probably mm. what they've continued to do. But it was it, it's still kind of not a complete test and. Chelsea have played Arsenal, but Arsenal aren't feeling around, not quite sure of mm. themselves, trying to get back on the on the horse a bit, weren't they, when they played? Well, Arsenal season doesn't begin until the, tra- the transfer league sh- um, window shuts. It happened every well, so year. Well, you're assured of who you, who <laughs> so your squad is. Yeah, so we don't know until the 1st of September, you know. This year I've noticed that, I mean, t- t- looking at the, the, the sort of teams that were new to the division, so your Huddersfield, Brighton and Newcastle this year, they've all had quite... Sterling starts, haven't they? Really, it's not mm. been the kind of lambs to the slaughter. Certainly, Huddersfield were were sort of nailed on as lambs to the slaughter, and they've not, have they? It's sort of. I wonder whether, uh, like, or I wonder why um, the pundits are 
just every year say, like, oh, whoever comes up, they're going straight mm-hmm. back down. Mm-hmm. You look back quite a few years ago now when Swansea came mm-hmm. up, and they were, like, I can remember the Guardian did this, mm-hmm. had them down at 20th. There's no way they're, mm-hmm. they're going to be any good. And it keeps happening. There's Swansea, like, happened to Bournemouth. Burnley did well. Watford did well. I mean, Leicester. You know, mm-hmm. obviously it wasn't this yeah. season they came up that they won, but it, you know, they were not long up. Um, and I, it's a momentum thing. If you keep winning matches and you've had a season winning and winning and winning in the championship, mm. you're going to feel pretty good about yourself. Yeah, is it, I, I must have think, I think the metaphor's like a salmon, isn't it, going up a stream? Because there's every, every year there's two teams, it seems, that were fighting to stay in the Premier League and eventually just give up, and two new teams are yeah. going to overtake them for them to come and down. And they're usually, you know, quite well-run clubs at the time, so you get someone like, uh, you know, with a great upcoming manager, let's say David Wagner this year, mm. and you're thinking, well, he's coming up against teams that are struggling Mm-hmm. don't know what they're doing you know David Wagner be Roy Hodgson well I know who I'd pick yeah 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 right well one last thing in then. a fist fight the, the, the team well. the, just, to, just to touch on the teams who were, who were fighting to, to come up um, Cardiff fired one across the bows didn't they everybody by whopping um, Leeds Leeds 3-1 this week um, and I think that's, that that strikes me as a as a surprise headline so far, I don't. I don't remember reading anybody tipping Cardiff mm. or Leeds for that matter. Um, and you've got you've got a, a weird selection, haven't you? The top six now is is Cardiff, Leeds, Wolves, Preston, Ipswich, Sheffield United. Now, and, and in that, that means Sunderland are in relegation spot, Middlesbrough mm. are nowhere, mm-hmm. and yeah. Hull are nowhere. And they're the three teams that have got the parachute payments. That and Villa aren't there, are they? No Villa. There we go. Well, Villa, about. Villa sort of coming up on the rail yeah. there. Okay. Bit, so, but do, do you think? I mean, essentially, what you're saying there. So you're 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 marrying up the momentum of of a good league campaign coming into the Premier League is much better than hanging on for grim well, death. And, and it also seems to happen. I know the the you know the parachute payments cleared the issue a little mm. bit. And like Villa came down, they weren't very good, but they're beginning to get back. But. You know, it, it does look. There's, there's quite a lot of teams. They get mm. relegated. They continue to plummet a bit. You know, QPR didn't didn't bounce back very quickly, and no. they've, they, they, they've not been long. Well, this is the anniversary of punk, isn't it? In certain sort of circles, and I think the first division now is is a bit more punk, and I think the Premiership is a bit more prog rock, isn't it? That you don't expect these people to fight. <laughs> so the clubs that come up from the new or the new first division have got that identity and that mm. hunger, and that's what I think would happen. As again, not that. A club from that lot's going to win the league this year, but I think the league is a lot more open than we realise. You know. Well, I look forward to uh, more games at the Hammersmith Odeon then, uh, yeah, and good. at Wembley Stadium in Nebworth <laughs> and Dingwall. Yes. <laughs> well, that's been the whistleblowers. Thank you, Scott, author of uh, the first title and uh, the title. Sorry. Thanks. And uh, Marcus Shepherd. Thank you. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. The Whistleblowers is back for the season by Labbrooks. Give software vendor audits the red card by signing up the Livingstone Managed Service Team right away. Call 0203 817 4880 or visit livingstone-tech.com to find out how. Sports Social Podcast Network.